Happy Friday, baloney heads. It's another episode of Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. I'm your producer, the producer. And on today's show, Chris won't be joining us in studio. He was too busy out doing some cool stuff. Uh, we'll get into that. Let's let's uh, let's get into this show. This is episode 94. Listen, I can barely tie a shoe, let alone figure out this thing. My skin met the asphalt, but these new ki- new ways kit my... All right, a couple of blurbs. Whatever they do with cocaine. The victims. I mean, guests. It's usually such a horribly set up bike. It's a cafe racer with Alloy Manx racing team. The Soma actually was purchased by uh, the Barber Vintage Motorsports Museum. You know, after this interview, I sound like a fat, hairy, bearded slob. Long hours in the uncomfortable seat. Kangaroos are just leaping down the street every day. All right, technically all chaps are assholes, right? I don't have it perfected. I have to stop talking shit. My wife's like... You're 41 and started a race career. Yes, I am guest number 632. As big as motorcycle entry is, very few people have actually ever even laid eyeballs on a Confederate. I thought it was a good book. I I didn't want to put it down. I wanted to know what happened next, but it was not my typical genre. (laughs) I'm Cammie, and I'm, I guess, one of the leaders. (laughs) And I'm Nikki, and I'm one of the leaders. Part of the thing with movie racing is... Bikes are so big and the motors are so big that most of the time are powered by an issue. Keep your knees in the breeze and the cheddar in your cheese. Time to get weird with creative writing. All right, all right. It is indeed, my friends, time to get weird with creative writing. Welcome to episode 94. Or we are rapidly closing in on episode 100 and two years of the show. Thank you, uh, everybody over the years who's tuned in to listen to uh, a maniac, namely me, rant on, uh, sometimes with a guest who can tolerate me. And uh, that intro there, man, you heard a lot of people on the intro. We've covered a lot of really cool people. And uh, in the last few months, we've actually covered a lot of really cool more people, and we're going to be adding or changing our intro for our two-year anniversary. Um, And that leads me to this uh, episode. We got a couple interviews coming up, some exciting exciting interviews for me especially, Um, and... I know for Chris, uh, this is weird. This is a little BTS here. This is the first time I've ever not uh, conducted an interview for the show. I gave Chris the recorder. He's been out doing all sorts of fun, cool stuff over the last couple weeks. And uh, so, yeah, he sent me back a bunch of material. He came over the other day, punched me in the face, dropped it off, and I listened to it, and I was amazed. This kid has got chops, y'all. So I am excited to get to this week's uh this week's bevy of interviews. And uh, here's a couple things coming up, man. We've been repping this stuff all year, but there's a, just a few events left. And one of them happens to be the AFT Flat Track Finals happening this weekend at Paris Auto Speedway in Paris, California. And uh, I'm going to be out there. Wiggins is going to be out there. Of course, he's going to be shredding it out there on uh, his hooligan bikes. One of them. I don't know if he's going to be taking Trusty or if he's going to be taking the XG. 
but that's going to be super dupes exciting. I am super stoked to see uh, who's going to take the the singles. You know, who's is Shayna Texter really going to win that by like one point? Um, is it going to end in heartbreak? What's going to happen? Um, we also have October twenty. Uh, 20th and 21st, Tracker Cross 2. Uh, if you went out to the Rusty Butcher Tracker Cross or listened to me yap about it back in April, which is actually where I uh, first interviewed Wiggins before he became El Co-Hosto, um, that was an awesome event. So they're following it up with a Halloween edition. And dude, how much uh, just crazy can that be? More crazy fun than uh, flat tracking and hanging out with your buddies and dressing up like a kook. Um the 21st, New Smyrna Speedway is going to have vintage and hand-built races. And then, of course, November 3rd and 4th, the Ivy League Flat Track and Race on the Res presents Twisted Throttles, the campout, the Sturgis of the West Coast. Uh, you know, when we were, we had Brian Bell on the show a few episodes ago, and he was talking about it. Could this be a 75-year celebration of motorcycling on the West Coast? That's what he hopes for it to be. So we'll be out there. Some of the misfits will be there. Maybe we can get some other podcasts out there. Are you going to be there? Um, let's find out. Hey, let's take a quick break and uh, find out what did you do this weekend? What did I do this weekend? And we'll get into what Chris has been doing for like the last month of Sundays, quite literally. Hey everybody, I know you're looking for that perfect gift for the motohead in your life. Well, I've got the answer. I've got the solution, baby. Go to dailybikerstore.com. Daily Biker Dan, former guest of the show, ultimate crazy motorcyclist and awesome artist. He's got all sorts of stuff for you to shop, peruse, buy, and even purchase. Are those all synonyms for the same thing? I think they probably are. But hey, go over to Daily Biker Store and check it out. He has got notebooks, stickers, magnets, coloring books, uh, digital downloads, artwork that you can print and put up in your office and look nice and classy, uh, sticker packs, gift wrap, pillowcases. Heck, he's got all sorts of stuff for the motohead in your life. And you know what's really super cool? The fact that his designs range from vintage to super modern. That's Daily Bikers Dan over at dailybikers.com or dailybikerstore.com on the internet. I don't know if I need to explain the internet to you guys, but apparently I need to explain a podcast to some people. We'll get into that in a second. Hey, speaking of Daily Bikers, I just ordered Chris a notebook from there, and uh, he needs a notebook for show notes for the show, and we only use Daily Bikers stuff here at this podcast, son. So uh, you should go check him out. Daily Bikers Dan is a super cool guy, too. His blog covers all sorts of stuff down under. Yes, that's true. He's from Australia, so if you want to know what it's like to be uh, a crazy motorcyclist down under who's ridden just about everything on two wheels. Go check out dailybikers.com for all the ride stories, uh, gear reviews, great stuff like that. Thanks, Dan, for uh, hanging in with us uh, for two years, dude. Can you believe it's been two years? I, I barely can. So, hey, let's get into this week. What did you do? What did I do? What did everybody do that, uh, you know, was motorcycle related and it was really fun? Well, let me tell you. Um, let's get into what Wiggins did, man. He ain't in studio with us uh, today. You know, the, the 17th, obviously, we're, we were at the Streets of Willow, and we brought you the guys from Jiffy Tune and 
27 Cycles, who are the internet sensations, those viral dudes hucking their Harleys all over the canyons, and now they're taking it to the racetracks, and uh, they pulled Zach in with them, and now Wiggins. Um, then the 23rd, Wiggins was at Santa Maria Raceway, promoting the Hooligan Shootout, his little flat track race that he threw. We were pumping that like crazy, and that turned out to be such an awesome, cool event. Um, well, then... Did you know that Wiggins went back to the track again uh, on the 30th? And then, uh, yeah, did another track day with those dudes and uh, got a little interview and some more tape from out there. We'll call it tape. Uh, and then guess what? This week, not not what, four days later, he is at the track out at Paris, not the at the Paris Speedway, not the raceway paris raceway not the speedway that's what i meant to say uh blabbing with the none other than the wizard man you know the wizard i'm not talking gandalf but gandalf did have a pretty cool saying uh that kind of applies to flat tracking and uh i'll get to that in a second but yeah dude this this wiggins fella and now he's racing this weekend in in the hooligans uh, you know the hooligan series that runs uh, parallel with the old uh, you know aft you know that little gem so dude this guy has been doing nothing nothing but motorcycle stuff in and out and in and out and in and out and all day long and I'm like, bro, bro, you, your family, your money, where do you get it all? <laughs> you know what I did this weekend? I rode around looking for a rogue group of motorcyclists that were eating food and going from food stop to food stop. While Wiggins was out shredding uh, at the track and then at uh, Paris, I was uh, trying to hook up with the Grand Tour. That's a little food tour that uh, went around here in L.A. and did a couple stops. And I, it kind of felt kind of cool, actually, to just cruise around downtown looking for this weird group of motorcycles, like old, you know, small displacement between like, I don't know, like 125 to 200 and uh, just you know, seeing a bunch of people cruising around with food dripping off their helmets and, and uh, shirts flapping in the wind. And I thought, I'm kind of like this motorcycle bounty hunter looking for this posse, right? Like, I couldn't find them, though, guys. Like, I spent all day just riding around downtown getting frustrated by L.A. traffic. Didn't even find the tour because I, I got a little bit of a late start. Uh, my kids had uh, soccer uh, pictures and stuff to do. And so I did that and figured I'll catch up with them. Well, I did not. Uh, some bounty hunter I am. But I do have to say that you find motorcyclists in the darndest places. While I was kicking it with, uh, you know, all the other parents just standing around in the group, one of the guys noticed my shirt. He's like, hey, man, do you ride? And I was like, uh, yeah, I do. And it's some dude I don't even know from some soccer league where there's a thousand people in it, right? And uh, so we got to chatting, and it turns out that this dude uh, just got rid of his Moto Guzzi a while ago. And so we started talking about all the bikes that he used to have. He used to have a VFR, which I know would make Bri Viffer super happy. Hey, why don't we have Bri Viffer on on the show? That's a good idea. We'll, we'll have Bri Viffer on in a minute. Um, but yeah, so... You know, one minute you're you're uh, you're standing around blabbing about kids' soccer pictures and and your minivan and the uh, 
I don't know, the, I almost said biscotti, the spaghetti stains in the upholstery and the boogers on the roof. And the next thing you know, you're chatting with a dude that used to ride, you know, Moto Guzzi's and, and VFRs. And man, it was super cool, super cool talking to that guy. And, uh, so yeah, we got down for a little bit and, uh, I think I, I think I've convinced him to start riding again, actually. So, and then I was telling him about all the bikes that Wiggins was telling me to get. Oh yeah. I just grabbed this like $2,000 Ducati and he's like, yeah, man. But then like $2,000 Ducati turns into 5,000 bucks real quick. And that's like, you know, a nice little nest egg to throw in a kid's college fund. And I was like, shut up. You're ruining my, you're ruining my fantasy. But, uh, yeah, it's true. So, but yeah, no, it was really cool. So while I sat around and uh, talked to old guys about bikes they used to ride and chased down a mythical group of riders around uh, LA, Wiggins was doing all the fun stuff. So let's, uh, no further ado, let's get to the first interview here. Um, we're going to yap with old Bri Viffer about the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride. That was on the 24th. That's a worldwide ride that focuses on men's mental health and testicular, no, I guess it's prostate cancer. Your prostate isn't your testicles, right? A lot, a lot I know about that stuff, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so yeah, let's, uh, let's hear a little bit about that and then we'll get to, uh, to Wiggins buddy who he chatted with and, uh, let's kick off this interview with some bitchin' music. I said bitchin' music, damn it. Hey, hey, before I forget too, this week's word is... Omnubilate. And the definition of... Omnubilate is to uh, like make unclear or indistinct or vague as in my memories are by time and the copious amounts of weed that my neighbors smoke all right let's get into this interview let me quit wasting time here thank you slade from the stock is for squares podcast for that little gem bribe if or take it away so we are with honorary field producer Bri Viffer, who has uh, was hot on the tail of the DGR uh, on Sunday, and uh, I got a couple questions for him. So, Paul, I hope you're ready to answer. Fire away. All right, man. First off, I know what bikes you own, and I know that the DGR has a a uh, reputation for only allowing vintage bikes and or vintage style stuff. So, I have a question for you. What on earth did you ride at the distinguished gentleman's ride well my, my bikes may not be vintage but they are definitely getting uh um getting on in years a little bit um i rode my 97 uh, vfr 750 um and that um and that one is the that one's the red one i have another 97 that that the previous owner had painted all gray so it it looks a little bit older, but um, that one I've been I've been carrying around a nail in the rear tire on that one for like the past thousand miles. So I didn't want to drive it all the way out there and uh, risk driving the nail all the way through it. Um, so we we took the shiny red one and uh, rode that out. Uh, it was about um, sixty miles from our house to get to the starting point in Orange County, and then it was jeez, mm, I, I, I can't remember. I think it was about a thirty mile trip um all in all uh, from the starting point to the to where we stopped for lunch wow 
So yeah, so the VFR qualifies now. I mean, I it's getting. I mean, you know, that's uh, twenty years old. I guess it is. Uh, kind of qualifies as a maybe a, a classic or vintage. <laughs> it's getting there. It's getting there. But it, um, I tell you, the the it was a great mix of of bikes there. There were um, there weren't too many small displacement. I know that's another uh, thing with the DGRs. Is, is typically they they like the smaller displacements too, but. Um, there were some um, classic bikes. There are some modern classics, retros, things like that. A lot of you know the cafe racer style. Um, some some scramblers there. Some of the new scramblers. There's a, a couple Ducati scramblers, um, but a lot of the um, uh, a lot of retros. Uh, some really nice uh, uh, Ducatis and Motoguzis. Um, real nice uh, retro looking stuff so um it, it, but it, it was it, there was a mix i mean there were there were some super motos and um i think besides mine there were like two other vfrs um the other two were were newer than mine um and there were uh, there was like a newer sidecar rig and two older sidecar rigs and um and you know a lot of cruisers and harleys and choppers and you know, a few of those too i think in in our group there was probably uh, a couple hundred, I think, in, in the whole group. So, but it, overall, it was a good mix. But the the best part was, I would say, ninety percent of the people that were attending were all dressed in the in the distinguished gentleman uh, fashion style. Right. Uh, so, did you have your top hat on and uh, your chaps while you were riding your VFR? <laughs> no, no chaps. It just wouldn't have fit. Uh, but but I did. Uh, I was. I, I found in my garage an old uh, three quarter helmet, so I, I wore that. Um, and uh, um, and I but I and I had my Kango that I could throw on as soon as I got uh, as soon as we you know as soon as we parked. So uh, we were, and my my wife joined me too, so she was on the back of, of my bike, and um, she she dressed the part as well. She had you know kind of retro clothes and a nice big brooch on her on her jacket so she she fit in well as well yeah that's awesome that's cool that you took her along um so what was you know when you go on a big old group ride like that where you did you guys get split off or did you uh i mean was it reasonably paced so that you guys could kind of all stick together because 200 bikes is a lot to uh wrangle around you know town <laughs> yeah and I, I was um and I was really impressed with how how well it was organized. So um, we we rode either in the middle of the pack or towards the front, and and they did have a um, a van that was running as like the pace vehicle up front, um, kind of leading leading the way. Um, and it was we rode from the uh, Ducati Triumph dealer in uh, Newport Beach to the House of Blues um, over by. Uh, like Disneyland area over in Anaheim, um, and there were, and it was kind of a roundabout route that we took. Uh, we went down to the coast and then cut over, and um, so there were there was uh, like a meeting spot halfway that we kind of rounded up everyone, um, and a few times people uh, part of the pack would get caught at a light, and um, uh, they you know they would fraction off, but it would only be for a few minutes. Everyone would get caught up and, and get back together. Cause, um, it, it wasn't that long overall. Um, and 
and there was always uh, and they they also had a van that was running a, um, a a chase vehicle at the back too so um you know that just in case anybody broke down or anything like that but um they were there to kind of lead the way if if anyone got off the you know or broke away from the pack i wasn't sure where to go because i'm not real familiar with with that area and all the side roads so i was you know i just wanted to stay with a crowd so i knew which way to go but they had plenty of people that knew the route and you know and they just lead at different points yeah i've gone when with large group rides before through the canyons where i was not really familiar and yeah it's it's interesting when uh, you know, there's a bunch of guys that are like way out, like you're talking like a couple miles out in front and then everyone else, you know, all these forking roads, especially in canyons or through even parts of town that you're not familiar with. And all of a sudden you're, you're going, where do we turn? There's so many options here. How do we, you know, <laughs> so that's kind of cool that they, that they at least, uh, I mean, I get it's not their first time, but you know what I mean. Like, I just it's just amazing to me the logistics of like putting on a a big old ride like that and having to wrangle that many people um, at one time. Yeah, and that, and, and overall, I, I thought it was well put together our ride. And I mean, it, I don't know. Um, I guess the two others close by were the LA and the and the San Diego. And I mean, I haven't heard anything about those. And and I've been. Uh, it's been a long time since I've been on a real big uh, group ride like that, but um, they did a great job of kind of spacing it out just um, just far enough at the, the meetup points to collect everyone together and, and having a good route where people wouldn't really get um, separated too much. But all the riders were, were great, too. There was no, you know, um, there was no hot dog in and no, you know, uh, no horsing around, nobody speeding, nobody running red lights. And I mean, everybody was, was really well behaved. We all just basically rode, um, you know, two by two, uh, through all the lanes and, um, you know, didn't really disrupt anything. And so, I mean, it, it was just overall, it was just really well put together and all the riders were, um, uh, were running well. So, you know, everyone was, was riding well together. So the logistics of it, I, I was surprised, but they, they were just great. They, they really worked well. Rad, you didn't tell your wife, hold my beer and like pop a wheelie or anything. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that sounds, I mean, it sounds really fun. And I was kind of bummed I missed it. It, it seemed, uh, I'm sure they have a lot of people. I mean, the main purpose of the ride, of course, is to, um, you know, uh, generate awareness for men's prostate cancer health and mental health and donate money and raise money for that. And I think in the past, a lot of people have like seen the ride or like wanted to get their cafe racer out there and, uh, um, just kind of jumped in or like found out where they're going to be. And so this year it seems a little bit more secretive. Like they didn't have a whole bunch of stuff unless you registered, uh, for a ride. And so I thought that was kind of cool. And probably because they're trying to give back to, the folks that uh, registered. So, uh, you know, like provide you guys with, I don't know if they gave you guys any swag or if there was like any free like refreshments and stuff, but get like a head count for that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's true. That, um, that might've been part of it. I guess if, uh, for some of the people that signed up early enough, I, I signed up only a few days before the event. Um, but for early registrants, I guess they were, they had patches um, that they mailed out. Um, but when uh, when you did get there, um, they you know they did have free refreshments. They had um, 
water and, and soda and, um, and like uh, uh, pastries like croissants or something, things like that. And they also had um, this cold brew coffee, which was so good. It, I mean, it, it was like, it, it felt as strong as, as like triple shots of espresso, man, because I mean, we were just wired from drinking that stuff, but it was so good. It was this stuff called uh, Stump Town, and uh, they're, I guess they're in, they're in various places. I, I can't remember where they're based out of, probably somewhere in the uh, northwest. Yeah, I've, I've heard of that before. Yeah, that that uh, that sounds like pretty good stuff, actually. I bet, I bet the Cafe Racer guys were just pouring that into their gas tanks, you know? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty potent stuff. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm gonna have to try that because sometimes uh, I'm walking around here like a zombie, especially like actually right now I am. I'm I'm wiped. I stayed up uh, super late last night uh, editing, re-editing uh, the show, and then I've been running around all day today. So I could I could probably go for a stump town right now if uh, if I had one. <laughs> yeah, you, you crack one of those, man. It'll it'll keep you going all night. Rad. I know. I was joking on a, one of the other episodes how I always I, I make all these crazy jokes about how. Uh, you know, I did a little bit of cocaine to stay up or like chase my kids or like get the, some of the energy. And I was thinking, man, people are going to think I'm like some crazy, like, you know, cokehead biker guy <laughs> or something. <laughs> but if you say I'm a stump town junkie, you know, like it's a little bit more acceptable and, uh, same, same results I'm, I'm guessing. So I, I might try that stuff instead. And then figuring out a route that they could get 200 people down safely and and uh, within like the same you know i'm guessing it took like i don't know an hour or half hour for that many people to roll uh you know down the street probably took a lot of planning so that's pretty cool yeah they and they had they had signs that when they pre-ran the um the course they, they posted signs at at certain areas to kind of give an indication where you're supposed to turn and stuff like that. I, I missed most of them. Not a big deal since I was just kind of following the crowd, but I, I saw some, so they, they did have them out there to give people a heads up when you're supposed to turn and whatnot. But, um, but yeah, they, they, they had the logistics uh, kind of nailed down pretty good. I, I think it was really that lead, um, that lead van just kind of keeping pace and staying relatively slow. And um, that kind of helped keep people from, uh, fractioning off like that. Yeah, for sure. That's, I mean, that's a pretty good idea. Pretty cool. Uh, it almost sounds like you're ready for a hare and hound race where they just like mark a course out. You don't know where the route is, but you look for the markers and you, you go ahead and, uh, you know, go full bore through there. Yeah. Tomorrow I'm excited because tomorrow, um, well, Chris, the co-host, which I'm sure you'll get to meet one of these days since uh, we don't live too far from each other, you and I, uh, he lives like five minutes away. And so uh, I'm sure one of these days we will uh, hook up somewhere. He's got the recording stuff out at Willow Springs doing some really cool, exciting track bike stuff. And I have the uh, the Grand Tour tomorrow, which is... Uh, I wouldn't say it's for distinguished gentlemen, but it's definitely for for dudes that just own crummy bikes, and it's like all all 125 cc and and smaller, and they do uh like they did the TT earlier this year, and not the you know like Isle of Man TT, but the TT stood for the Taco Tour, so they <laughs> they did this whole tour of LA eating taco, uh you know taco stuff, and then they did the Donut Detour and a couple other funny little 
you know, food, uh, based rides and tomorrow they're going to wrap them all up into the grand tour. So I'm, I'm set to do that or I am slated to do that, I should say. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. That, that sounds like a lot of fun. I, I wish I could have done that one too, or any of them, uh, the, the taco tour, especially. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that the, maybe those tours is what I was thinking of when, um, uh, that, that, wants to keep the smaller displacement i i thought it was the, the distinguished gentleman ride too but but maybe that's just the the vintage bikes for the dgr yeah 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 you know a lot of the old bikes um they were smaller i guess depending on how far back you go yeah like you know old old 350s and stuff um and you know I, I, there was a lot of stuff that never made it past like 600 cc's you know back in the old day and then all of a sudden you get like like Z1000s and everything's, you know, 750, 900, you know, it's crazy. So, yeah. Yeah. Hey, um, really quick, did you have to, did they give you a spiel about what the GGR was all about when you, uh, when they were queuing you guys up and like, did everybody pledge or was it just a sign up and, and show up and go type of thing? Um, they, there was kind of a, a speech at the beginning and, and, you know, just to kind of remind everybody what it, what it's for, but the, um, I mean, everyone who was there, I, I think, I'm not sure if there was a minimum that you had to, uh, donate to join. I, I think there probably was. Um, but I mean, once everybody was there, they, you know, everyone's already pledged a certain amount. So at that point it was really just about the, you know, the ride and the camaraderie and, 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 chatting with different people. Uh, but then there was another, uh, you know, short speech, especially, uh, when, when we got to house of blues and everybody was kind of kicking back and, and listening to the band. Uh, but then the, the guy who happened to raise the most money from the orange County ride, um, he was a stage four prostate cancer survivor. So, um, he came up and, and said a few words and obviously this, this whole, um, event was, um, was really, you know, close to home for him. So, I mean, he, his words were, were really, you know, touching and, and inspiring. So, so that was really nice to hear. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, that's super cool. It's guys like that, that, uh, this thing was started for. And, um, I don't know, they, I'm sure they didn't give, you know, free prostate exams or anything, but it is, it's important, you know, it is something that's important to, uh, to check. And so, I mean, it, it, it's kind of, it all seemed kind of like at first kind of like exclusive and hipstery to me, but it is for a good cause. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. So, and the fact that you had your, your VFR down there, they always say no sport bikes or no big Harley cruisers, which is kind of funny. Cause those are like, if you're going for vintage, those things look like they haven't changed right in a hundred years, but, uh, it's just kind of ironic, you know, that they don't let everybody in. So it's kind of cool. You know, I, I, I'm glad to hear that your, uh, your VFR was accepted. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there were, and like, I'd heard something like when, when the ride started, they, they keep the, uh, the newer bikes towards the back and, you know, let the vintage guys go for go first, but there really wasn't anything like that. As soon as they started rolling, everybody just kind of fell into line and, and rolled on out. And um, and and it, and there was so much just kind of you know at every corner, everybody would be switching positions, so there wouldn't have been any real easy way to keep people in line like that. But but again, once we got rolling, 
Um, it, it really didn't seem to matter much. Everybody was just happy to be on, on the bikes. But, but the real, I think really the, the best part was everybody dressing up. You know, I mean, everybody had the, um, the, the right attire, you know, with the, with the, the brown jackets and, and, you know, uh, and the fedoras or the kangos and the suspenders and, you know, all that stuff and, you know, skinny ties that, that everybody was really participating in that way. So that was really neat. To- <laughs> yeah. Rad. It probably looked like an, uh, or a 1980s wedding on two wheels, like just a rolling wedding. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I bet people were like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> yeah, we, well, we, got a, we got a lot of uh, waves from the side of the road and, and cars honking and things like that. So it, it was pretty neat. That's rad. That's really cool. Well, hey, thank you. Uh, thank you for sharing. And uh, I hope you're ready for the next uh, Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge. I'm sure we'll meet up before then, but uh, I'll be expecting you to wear something snappy for that, too. <laughs> yeah, as long as they don't hold it in the, in the heat of summer like they did this year. That was just oh, uh, desert. That was just brutal summer. Dude, that... The first place I went was Apple Valley, and I almost passed out before I got the video done, you know, for the submission. I was like, oh, my God, it was brutal. Your face, I could, there was a couple of shots where your face told me the story. I was like, I looked where you were, and I was looking at your face, and I was like, oh, yeah, he's, like, fighting for breath right now. Like, that is excruciating heat that he's in. Yeah, yeah the, <laughs> two, two days were just bad. One, going through uh, Joshua Tree. And I even started early on that day to, to try and get through before it got real hot. But then the, another day when I was going out to Desert Hot Springs, and, and that one I I wanted to get all the way to the center of town because they even had a – supposedly they had a working payphone that I wanted to get to and make my phone call. Oh, right. But I, I, I could – I mean it was just so damn hot and it was – I mean it was like – I don't know what time it was. It was like 10 in the morning and it was already hitting 100 degrees and I just – I couldn't go any further into the heat like that, so I just had to turn around and, and head back towards the coast. That was, that was yeah, dude, that was nuts. But um, yeah, so I'm excited and looking forward to that. Um, oh, and hey, we got uh, we got Twisted Throttles coming up in a few weeks, right? Oh yeah, yeah, Twisted Throttles for sure. That's going to be awesome, and uh, the the Misfits are going to be down. Um, I haven't contacted the Cafe Racer podcast, but they're in San Diego, so I mean, it seems like something that would be on their radar for sure. So, and edit out secret shit. Okay. Like a great idea. Yeah, I guess I I may have to edit this out, or else it'll be uh, a little. Uh, <laughs> it won't be such a surprise. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, I'm excited about that, and uh, that's going to be some good good times. So yeah, thank you for reminding me about that. Cool, cool. Yeah. So hey, Bri Viffer, thank you so much for your uh, your report, man. One, uh, Mr. Producer, it's always a pleasure. Yeah, take it easy, and uh, we'll see you on the flip side. We might hook up. Uh, here pretty soon alright I'm, I'm always uh, happy to join that's for sure alright ah oh, Bri Viffer dude I that guy is such a stand up fella um yeah hey before we get into this, the last part of the show here, uh, I do want to remind you, Spooky Spokes is coming up. You know what Spooky Spokes is? That is our scary Halloween episode of the show. 
If you have a scary story you'd like to write down and email it to the show, that's creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. You can also do a little voice memo on your phone and email that to the show. Um, you can send a smoke signal. I'll try to interpret it and, and find out what you're saying. And uh, yeah, whatever you want to do, some crazy pictures, a song, anything you want to do to contribute to the Spooky Spokes episode would be greatly appreciated. It is uh, The cutoff for that is going to be October 26th uh halloween um it's gonna be i think the monday after that so we're gonna we're gonna take uh make that the cutoff and uh share with you that friday crazy stories from the other side of motorcycling all right speaking of getting spooky uh our next guest hey listen man you are so lucky that you got chris because chris is like the nicest guy in the world and i am like the snide like snarky jokey can't take myself seriously i would have asked you really stupid questions and i would have uh, asked you i know your nickname is the wizard i would have asked you about the famous uh quote by gandalf You shall not pass, because that applies perfectly to motorcycle racing, which is uh, your forte, my friend. So with no further ado, Chris, take it away. Do your, uh, I was really impressed with this interview, man. Really impressed. You're promoted. So I'm here with Jeffrey Carver and Ben Evans. Evans, right? Okay. I'm in on this too. I, sure, I don't care. And then I don't know if he matters much, but. <laughs> <laughs> so we're out at Paris Raceway, Paris Flat Track. Not the big sprint car track if you guys are local to SoCal. Yeah, so I'm out at Paris Flat Track, Paris Raceway, quarter mile. And uh, we just had a little private track day with Jeffrey Carver, who is fresh off a GNC single, a GNC Twins, GNC. American twins Flat Track. Year. Twins. Oh, yeah. American Flat Track, they changed a- the name. A- a- AFT1, is that what it is? <laughs> AFT Twins. AFT Twins. AFT Sorry. Twins. No one knows anymore. Lone Star Half Mile, Grand National Flat Track. Who is fresh off of his big Twins first win, right? First yep. Twins win? Yep. That's pretty huge this year. Like, the Indians have pretty well dominated. Yeah, I think Jared has uh, 15 podiums on the year. Wow. Uh, nine wins. And I have uh, one other podium at Lima, Ohio, third place, and then first place down there at Lone Star. So it's really cool to be the newly crowned champ. Yeah. And uh, a new team that's uh, pretty much taken over flat track right now. Yeah. But I got to say, like, you've been in the hunt most of the year. Um, I was privy enough to be in Arizona, watched some pretty good races, had some bike issues in the main, but you've been up there. Like, you've been in the hunt, in the pack, like, really kind of showing a wheel. So I guess maybe from my point of view, and maybe yours too, like, it was about time. Yeah, I felt really comfortable with it this year. Um, The bikes, and, uh, I mean, I've always felt fast. I've always felt like I've been fast enough to be there, but it's not there. And, like, you look at the other local kids here that that are growing up, like uh, Nick Armstrong, he's really fast. You know, he can put down some good some good results you know but he's like back in 20th in points and stuff yeah. and uh you're like 
it just takes time. That's the difference between, I think, uh, flat track and uh, other sports, especially like uh, motocross and stuff. You got a couple people that come up and can pretty much dominate right through the ranks, you know. But flat track, it takes a lot of... Um, a lot of time and there's a lot of things that you don't learn until you're out there on the racetrack especially the miles and uh it's such a unique style of racing and you, you only get that type of mile racing with the top fast guys and uh after getting to learn that over the years everything's starting to click and i know the tricks i know how to mess people up behind me i know how to uh gain on people that maybe have a faster bike and stuff so it's a lot of different little uh techniques and stuff you don't know about there's not really a lot of places to go practice a mile no springfield no. doesn't open up for you in illinois to go no laps, uh really. amateur nationals i got lucky enough uh probably like 05 06 was my first year on a mile I was on a 125 and uh 250 okay and uh i think i weighed like 90 pounds or something you know and uh they still do i think the i think they still let the amateurs like 450s and up do it uh but they're just trying to keep the kids safe and that's the other thing is it's just you know it's so extreme you know so yeah you really don't get that much practice at all just get to youtube old school videos and stuff because it's about on average i think about 140 mile an hour on those tracks yeah springfield mile fastest mile in the world it's uh the fastest time or fastest average mile an hour there is i think 109 okay 105 yeah 105 miles an hour average 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 so a little faster on the end of the straightaways yeah yeah so i think topped out about 140 okay and that's with basically a piece of leather in between you and the your skin in the dirt so that's pretty good yep yep (laughs) right yeah for sure and the roost man it's uh if you've ever went and played paintball or airsoft at all and uh, get hit i mean it's like that every corner coming off and stuff um the roost is is extreme and um you know you're going down the straightaway and you you take your left hand off the bar to get a little bit more aerodynamic but then uh you know, you go to put your hand up on the bar, and usually first mile of the year, your hand flies back before you go put it up on the bar. It's just, uh, you don't realize the G's, and every year, first couple miles afterwards, my neck and my back's all knotted up and shit, because you're just, you're holding on, because you're you're trying to re- lean back, get traction, but then you're trying to lean back forward into the wind and get tucked down and stuff. Makes sense. I've never been on a mile, so I have, I, I wish I could have, like, a perspective on it, but I really don't. Um... But that's good. And so Texas was a half mile, right? Yeah. Do you feel, is that maybe more your forte? But you've had some good mile runs, but how do you feel about that? Like, I know with you guys, it's halves are kind of a short track. Yeah, yeah. Um, so for sure, for me, um, you know, X Games has came around, and I've always done really good at X Games. It's smaller tracks, so... Um, the miles you're in you're you're not off the gas that much you're kind of wide open a lot of times trying to keep up your momentum but then the uh, half miles and the smaller tracks a lot of times um you get in hard you let the bike kind of settle move around a little bit you crack the throttle just a little bit and then point the thing and turn it off and drive it off the corner and uh so you know i have a motocross background motocross you get in as hard as you can get in get the thing settled and you're off the gas for a little bit and then you pick it up and roll out you know okay. and so um that's a little bit of the different style and stuff and i've always been a really good tt here i can get it in flick the bike sideways get it slowed down have the bike change direction and then drive off in the big mile tracks it's more rolling keeping up your momentum and and just moving and um so it was a, a it was a big difference for me to learn not not being a big track rider even whenever i was younger we didn't have many big tracks we ran 
indoors down in Kentucky and in Illinois. We did local TTs, and I did a lot of motocross, and uh, there just wasn't a lot of big tracks to ride. Okay. You know? Is that something you feel like having a few years on the Twins now and with a pro card you're getting better at? Yeah, for sure, and learning from the greats, you know, like, uh, you know, Kenny Colbeth, he's been around, you know, 30-something wins. And, uh, you know, he got to race with Parker and Springer and Poovy and, uh, you know, all these all these legends. And uh, same thing with Brian Smith and Jake Johnson and Jared Meese. So uh, that stuff gets passed down through the riders on the racetrack. It doesn't Good. get passed down through anywhere else. Yeah. And um, so you have to be close enough and you have to know what they're doing and you got to be in the moment to actually pick that up and, and do it. And so, yeah, I've, I've learned it. And uh, the older I've gotten... I pick up, you know, you're always picking up tricks on every, what everybody else is doing. Good. Um, so how long how long have you had been as a mechanic? You, you feel like that maybe, I know, and we've talked about this on the show a little bit too, I know that, like, you started off this year with your own program. Like, mm-hmm. um, So about last year, mid-year or something, or at the, at the beginning of the year, I bought a bike, broke my hand, I brought it over to his house. We worked on it, and uh, me and Ben and Jared Vanderkoy went out to California, and me and Jared split Ben as a mechanic for a while, and uh, and then I ended up getting picked back, picked up through Johnny Goad and going with him, and Ben started working with Vanderkoy more, and then got picked up with Vanderkoy at the end of the year and into the beginning of this year, and so yeah, I went into the first year, the beginning of this year, kind of all on my own and stuff, with Ben always helping me there behind behind closed doors and stuff but um but uh yeah it's just uh I, I think what's made our connection well is that we've been racing or we've been coming to california together for like three years now four years and that was before it was like he had his dirt bike he was racing the, the expert class okay and i was racing the expert class and we just came out together because we both didn't want to spend money on hotels That's we right. wanted to camp hang out and we got along and uh i think that was a big part of what set it off now, was that, so was starting off this year on your own, was that kind of your choice, or was that just the situation you were left in, or? Um, it's kind of the situation I got put into after the end of the year. I was supposed to get signed uh, with the Briggs team for uh, 2017, and uh, things just, we weren't seeing eye to eye, and uh, things just kind of fell through at the end of the year, and so, um yeah, I, you know, wasn't really sure, but I uh, I knew I was, wasn't going to let something like that stop me, you know. So I just kind of was like, hey, I've been in these shoes before. Uh, 2014, I showed up um, at all the nationals, didn't have a motorcycle, rode 16 different motorcycles that year, and that's non-nationals as well, but uh, put six different brands in the Grand National main events, and rode, uh, I think, nine or ten bikes at the Grand Nationals. And uh, so it was a Yamaha, Cowie, Honda, Buell, Harley, Suzuki, BMW. Wow. Um, so in that year there, it was all like, it was like, man, are you going to, you know, stop? You know, are you not going to race anymore? And uh, and I didn't take no as an answer. And so I wasn't going to stop again now, you know. I'd say, like, no matter what the circumstances was, like, obviously with Texas and with your entire season... It might have been for the better. Like you're, you're definitely having a killer season. For sure, for sure. And it's, uh, it's, it's. I understand where the money goes and stuff like that, and uh, how it needs to be spent, what needs to be done, and uh, it's definitely being good. And uh, you know, me and my dad, we we grew up, you know, doing our own thing, racing all the way up to about uh, 
until um, about 450s I got picked up from Van Jamaha local motorcycle shop uh, in Illinois Sparta Illinois and uh, they picked me up for two years through pro singles stuff and won the championship and then uh, we kind of went our separate ways and uh, it was just you know as a young young racer a rookie is what they call you it doesn't matter you're 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 just kind of like a guinea pig or you're just like the jockey you know they'll you know a, a couple guys they got good bikes you know everybody's got twenty thirty thousand dollars in their bikes and they want to pick out the fastest kid and mm-hmm. if you don't perform then they get rid of you and you, um, you, you know my dad was always like hey man you're gonna get picked up by a big team things are gonna work you're not gonna have to spend the money on a twin just you know and we come from motocross and we you know we just didn't really understand what was going on yeah and um and so you know getting on and getting back to doing my own stuff it just was really good and uh i've always like my singles program you know i was beating jared Meese, you know four years ago on my singles you know i was beating walls on my singles and uh my rookie year, 2011, I went out and uh, led 17 laps of a short track at Springfield Short Track on my own motorcycle. Nice. And um, so the twins thing was something different, and uh, to have my own twins and to have my own stuff, it really uh, it just connects better with me, and I can trust it, and I can do what I want and stuff to the bikes. And that's definitely good. I know I was talking to Ben the other day about it, and kind of running it the way you guys want to run it is definitely helping. And I'd say from a fan standpoint, I hear this from a lot of other people too, like, you're definitely the underdog this year. Like, you're the you're the true privateer, and a lot of people are seeing that. Unfortunately, maybe not a lot of people with big bank accounts, but a lot of people are seeing that. And if nothing else, like, you're definitely gaining a solid fan base because they, like, people want to see the underdog go out and not just do well, but win, which you're doing. So maybe that's... You know, for what it's worth, I think that's definitely kind of a good thing. It's something to look at, maybe something to give you like a little more motivation. Yeah. Not yeah. that you don't have motivation, but yeah, you know. no, it's good. It's just, um, man, it's just, it's, it's, uh, so I was explaining that interview earlier that, um, you know, I got friends, I got a buddy, he's a UPS man, you know, I got another buddy, he's a mailman, I got a buddy that drives forklifts, you know, they work all week long, they do their job, they pay for their, their stuff, and a little bit of money they have left, they spend it on their fun stuff, you know, yep. me and my buddies, we go riding together, I got a lot of friends in the bikes, they buy old bikes, they don't got no money and stuff, we just, yeah. uh, you know the working man that's what you know america's about you know the 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 younger class to me you know and that's where the raw spirit comes from and so sounds like hooligan racing yeah and it it, it never stopped me you know it was like it's like you know i i just you know it's just uh it felt right to me to do it that way when it definitely to do it that way you've got to have passion and you've got to have heart because you're putting everything you have into it like you're you know what you know you're working hard you're you're pinching pennies you're building bikes by hand because you can't just go out and buy stuff yeah so i mean that definitely and that's the cool thing about dirt track too yeah you know i mean besides the the top flashy stuff you see on nbc sports with the factory harley and indian there's two other teams that are close to that everybody else is you know yeah is you know small time stuff you know and those two other teams have well i guess sammy hasn't won a race yet this year nope Zanotti, um, and they've Zanotti won two. and he's won two. Sammy's been in the hunt a little bit, yep. but you know, and that's kind of like I think a lot of people are realizing that because those guys are kind of called privateers, but then people are like, well, Zanotti's kind of a big team, and Essenson's a big team, 
and Carver drives a van to the track and sleeps in it. <laughs> so, I mean, that, you know, that, like I said, or that under it. Yeah, right? Yeah. That privateer thing is, is definitely, like, happening. So, yeah, it's another little step, you know, for sure. So, what, um, and where did you get the name The Wizard? Or where did that come from? <laughs> so, we're hanging out in Kansas. Besides your little mustache, but. <laughs> we're, we're hanging out in Kansas, and, um, we had, um, sitting around a bonfire. We're just, we're just, we're just, you know, bullshitting a little bit and stuff when we're talking about the, um, trying to come up with a nickname, you know, I got called, like, Bones Carver, I got called Candlestick, you know, whatever, stupid shit I never liked. Uh, my grandpa, they called him Crash Carver. I got a little statue of a little dirt bike guy, and it says Crash on his helmet, so my dad, mom never wanted me to have Crash Carver, you know, and, um... That one's usually not earned in the best way. Yeah. <laughs> so then it just kind of got sparked up, it was like... Man, I like the jackal and like whatever, man. I was just going after some different random stuff and the wizard popped up and man, it just kept looping back around like connections between me and the wizard and like, you know, more like the cosmic view on the wizard and like the mindset and stuff and, um, you know, just like what type of things I pull out of my ass almost, you know, or, or, yeah. or, or out of my hat, you know. I had heard uh, that's, uh, a, that's a little bit of, you know, how that kind of started. Some people had said you're a wizard with suspension set up. Yeah, I got a uh, so chassis. It's like I see it and I watch the bike in motion and I watch other people's bikes in motion and I learn from what a bike that doesn't look right. And then I look at what a bike does look right, what's different about them and okay. stuff. And so I've always been a guy to tune my own stuff. And that was a big thing when I rode for other teams is they're like this punk kid coming from motocross 450 bikes is going to tell me how to set up my motorcycle yeah and i'm like i'm not going to tell you how to set it up you know i'm just like i kind of might know what i'm talking about a little bit you know when when you're the rider on it it's like to me and i grew up so i grew up racing in my early teens and stuff with my dad and um you know you met him at the track a little bit he lives in indiana but he comes out and visits and like to me he's a great mechanic with me at the track he watches and studies like nothing's ever good enough but I have a deep respect for, because, like, I could rebuild the two-strokes. My race car was a 250 two-stroke when I was, like, 12 years old. I have a respect for guys that wrench on their own stuff. And they tend to know what the, in this case, the bike is doing more. Like, something's weird, and they know what to adjust because they've done it. And you get these, like, prima donnas that they have no idea. And they're like, the bike's not handling. And your mechanic's like, well, what's it doing? I don't know. It's not working. Yeah. And having that, like, knowledge, you know, having a mechanic to spitball off of is obviously probably good. And someone that you get along with, I think, to me, is, is really good. Um, so that's good. It's interesting to, like, hear that. And I think that might be, too, like, it goes back to the privateer thing. Being like, the privateer and having to uh, say, like, even whenever, you know, me and my dad started to not get along, you know, whenever I was younger, 16, 17. And uh, I'd show up in an S10 with my bike in the back of the truck and go racing and stuff. Yeah. And it was like, you know. I just, it was just a part of it, you know, yeah. it's like, even though my dad was thinking we we're going to get picked up by some big teams, it's like, I don't know how I'm going to pay for a mechanic, you know, I don't know yeah. how stuff's going to happen, you know, it's like, and right now, I don't need one, because I'm going to figure it out, yeah. you know, and, uh, but it's, uh, it's been a huge help, and it's really cool, because I've made a lot of friends around the pit area, and I, so many people come up to me, and they ask me, yo, what, what, what do you think of this or that, and, I'll bounce some ideas off of them and see what they're saying. Is a bike acting like this or that? And uh, honestly, I learned a lot of stuff from Jimmy Wood. And yeah. uh, he works for Moto Station, a race tech guy. And uh, he's the guru of suspension and flat track, in my opinion. His old man's kind of a guru. And he's like, yeah, 
Also, mm, so yep, it's definitely yeah, good. And, uh, and Jimmy's style, so like old school dirt track is, you know, a little soft, springs that hold it up enough, but the thing squats and kind of like mellows off the corner, and there's never much valving, so you did it with oil and spring. And so Jimmy and Race Tech had got together, and Jimmy p- builds valving and makes the thing hold itself up in its stroke so you can run a lighter spring so that the thing is a little bit softer up on top and then you can use your rebound and different stuff and it's a different approach on it and um and you know what's funny about it is when you talk to the old guys i rode for they say that's wizard shit you know what i mean they say that's black magic that's voodoo that they won't even you buy them a shock they won't even put it on the motorcycle they're so offended because it's complete ass backwards of the old way of doing it yeah and so i grew up riding some of the other stuff and it always worked and then when jimmy stuff came out 2011 castle rock i remember watching jake johnson jared meese and somebody else and watching them things track off the corners and roll around the racetrack and it just like it blew my mind i went and spent three thousand dollars on my motorcycle for suspension uh, for, for for two bikes two different sets and jimmy set me up a set that was a little bit stiffer a little bit more for hard pack tracks and then set me up a soft set for loose tracks we uh we've had one hooligan have jimmy do a suspension and i've never seen anyone drive around the outside of me with so much traction yeah. I was like, damn it, I got to drop money now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's a totally different, you know, yeah. point of view, but it's a little bit of the wizardness and the whole works, you know, and uh, in the in the new age of dirt track turning around. Well, and it's, it's interesting, like, again, growing up around sprint cars, I have a buddy that still has a 410 wing sprint. If you look at a sprint car, and like, you know, last weekend you were on a legendary Rotax, you know, the Ronwood Rotax that, it's a legendary bike and it's how old is that bike? Do you know? Man, I don't know. I don't, I don't remember when they came out with them. They had to have been back in the 80s At or something. the 80s, yeah. But it, on so top older of the, than you are. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> on, on, on top of the Rotax, the chassis, exactly. the old-style chassis, and not many people can set them up. So, like, most dirt track bikes are anywhere from, like, 4 to 10, 12-degree swing arm angle. You know, that's the angle of the swing arm pushing down on the ground to grab traction. Ron's actually sits at about two one and it goes negative as you ride it but it's the softness and the plushness that was his version of what you know the new style stuff is and that's what makes that thing work on that specific racetrack because it's so slick it's so rough and you're most you're not even trying to build traction you're trying to take away traction in the rough spots but then control the traction everywhere else but i think it's always interesting to see like the new side of it but you got to, to me anyway, for the flat track, you got to have a lot of respect and you learn from the old style because, again, back to a sprint car. And I related a lot to sprint cars just because of the dirt oval. And, they, you know, so they have a lot in common. If you look at a sprint car, they're very high tech. But the basic suspension hasn't changed since it was a Model A Ford. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a straight front axle, a locked rear axle. Mm-hmm. So it's like there is that basis, like, basicness to it. And yeah. then there's also a lot of high tech. So it's interesting to see you on... You know, pretty well dominating on a 30-year-old bike. Even the XR at the Lone Star, yeah. you know. Um, somebody brought up to me, they were like, uh, you know, Indian built this new bike, you know, 2017. Well, that XR I rode last weekend and won on beat the original Indian and the new Indian. Yeah. And, it's you know, the original cases are from, you know, mid-70s. I think the cases that are on that motorcycle are like 1982 or something wow. like that. Yeah, and that's, it's interesting to see that, you know, and it's, 
Indian, I think they did their homework. They built a really good bike, a competitive bike. They obviously paid three of the most talented riders to ride them. Um, so it's cool. It's it's good to. It's a bummer for me, you know, riding for Harley to not see the XGs being very successful. But it was cool to see the XR go out, still win, still be relevant, you know, 30-some years after it came out, 40 yep. years after it came out. So it was, it was pretty neat. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get to watch the race, but trying to keep up with it and see what's going on. Now, I had read something, and you said you, you like, looked at the tracks and thought the XR would be better. Can you explain that at all, or is it just, like... You just know, like, you just kind of looked at it, and you were, uh, like, black magic, like, the XR is going to work better. Well, you know, um, a little bit of it all, you know, a lot uh, a lot of it, it's the um, the shape of the racetrack. Um, the Kawasaki's, they've kind of came up on the miles because they're pretty long straightaways, you know, and you got a corner to get through and stuff. And uh, a lot of times, the miles, we're on the bottom, rolling through the center. There's a lot of miles, we're up through the... But you just kind of get through, and then it's a drag race. Okay. And so um, the difference on a lot of half miles, you got a lot of wheel spin for a long amount of time, you know, off the corner all the way through and then down down the straightaway. And so um, we raced Charlotte uh, earlier on in North Carolina earlier on in the year. And uh, so this track is supposed to be almost identical, just uh, – Texas Motor Speedway is supposed to be about 20 foot wider. Okay. And uh, same same shape, same figure, about the same banking. So we go there, and uh, this spring I ended up getting fifth, was up into fourth. Um, two Indians, and then two XRs, and then me on a relatively slow Kawasaki that wasn't wicking up the rear tire. Right. And the thing about why them things are working good there is because you never would get them straight and then just whack the throttle wide open down the straightaway. You're coming off sideways, you get straight for a second, but we turn them into a big circle. Yeah. So, you know, Lone Star was, in my opinion, was going to turn into a big circle. And okay. that kind of, um, you know, helped me with my decision to do that. And uh, just just past times of racing them you know i raced them uh 2011 12 and 13 um so i really got a feel for them you know where they worked at and where the other brands were better okay. and uh just gambled you know just went and rolled the dice and just you know thought like hey let's let's make this happen it's let's i think you know ben thought it had the potential i thought it had the potential so we just went for it what well, obviously had the potential mm-hmm. i mean even x games you know, obviously, like, technical issues are always a bummer, but you you rode a flat front tire for about a lap and a half. Yeah. And yep. still pulled off fourth place. Yep. I mean, that was pretty impressive. Um, and an XR was first and second there. Yeah. And we checked the Indians, you know. Yeah. Jared was five seconds behind me. Brad was eight, you know. Yeah. And uh, the tractor ability of it, the way that, um, you know, the power pulses of the motor... Um, you know, the the way that it hits whenever it fires, it grabs the ground in a certain way, you know, and yeah. that's, uh, that, that's really, um, it's like skipping a beat, kind of, yeah. you know, and the, the cowies don't, the cowies just, do, 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 just hit, 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 there's no skip of a beat or anything. And I think, uh, I wasn't in the uh, the podcast, but uh, Larry, the main, the main guy on this, he actually did an episode on Big Bang Motors. You know, it goes all the way. I remember hearing about old Honda two-stroke road racers back in the day. The new Yamaha R1 is supposed to ride like that. And the Harley, the XR. And I think for us hooligans, like, that's kind of one reason the Sportsters do so well. Yep. It's almost like a big single the way they hit. Yep. And it lets the tire hook up. Yeah, exactly. So. There's enough space in between 
that it's still making decent power, but the torque and stuff and the delivery of it, the way that it hits the ground, you yeah. know, it's just it gives it a time to breathe almost. Yeah. And then shaboom, because you're not racing on concrete or asphalt. You're not pure traction most of the time. And even a lot of MotoGP, I just had a conversation with someone, um, push drives in MotoGP for that same reason. Yep. So it's because, yeah, they're on pavement, but they're like 200 horse or more. So it's it's yep. kind of the same idea, you know, in that traction. That's what people I don't think get, you know. I know when the XGs were first coming out, everyone thought they were down on power. And really, they make plenty of power. They, yeah. they can't get it to the ground. No. And that's been a big problem for them where the XR, I don't know if it was specifically designed that way or it's just like it's based off of a Harley that happens to be that way, but that's one reason I think they were so successful. Yeah, they definitely did their homework whenever they built them. You know, I'm sure that the the RS750 Hondas were very close, similar. You know, they revved a little bit more, and honestly, when you look at the the new Indians out there, they are... They are a high-tech Harley. Yeah. I mean, they're a Harley that's water-cooled. You know, it's got this, you know, new up-to-date style uh, cams and stuff. But it's it's it, it's the same thing, you know. And it, it yeah. revs a little bit more. It's a little bit, you know, they just took normal, new, up-to-date 21st century technology mm-hmm. and, you know, just stepped up the game, you know. But I think they still made it kind of hit that way to get that traction. For sure. And it's... It was super cool to see again, like that thirty-some-year-old bike, like still go out and win. Yeah, there. Uh, in, in my opinion, it. I, I don't know if it'll ever, if anything, will ever really be able to take away an XR, and, especially and, for longevity and and, 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 and and dirt track racing and stuff. Yeah, I think you know tire technology obviously gets a little bit better, but the dirt doesn't really change. Dirt's dirt. So dirt's yeah, always gonna I, be I mean. You know, there's a reason that bike or that motor has been so relevant for so long. And, yeah, I mean, there's really not a reason that it couldn't be relevant another 30 or 40 years. Yeah, for sure. So it was cool. Um, Well, let's wrap it up. Thank you, first of all. I mean, you know, we definitely, like, we talk flat track a little bit. And since I follow you a little bit, um, and, again, like, you just being the privateer and stuff, like, we definitely talk about how Carver did every week. Um, So, and that was, like, always, like, my two cents, too. Like, oh, so-and-so won, and I'm like, Carver was in the hunt, man. He pulled the fifth or whatever, you know? <laughs> so so our podcast definitely, like, hops it up, and it seems like a lot of other motorcycle ones are picking up flat track, so, which is cool because it hopefully it shows flat track in general is coming back up. Uh, I like to think us retard hooligans are helping. Um, I, I, I think it's bringing, it's the culture, you know, it's two wheels. It doesn't yeah. matter what's going on, it's two wheels, you know, and, uh, and then the bike building part of it. And, uh, yeah, you guys got a good social media thing, you know, it it creates a good part and, you know, dirt trackers, they're like, they're too busy working on their bikes in the garage. (laughs) They're old school guys, you know, and, and, uh, then they're going out and racing their bikes, you know, and that's the old school style, but it's, it's bringing it all together, I believe. And, uh, it's, it's really cool because, you know, um, you guys are doing that and it's like, man, you can take your bike out on the street and go race it and then you know like you guys are saying you're seeing it's like holy shit who the hell are these guys out here on these 450s or these right. twins that are going you know four or five seconds a lap faster like what's going on you yeah. know and uh it's 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 creating a spark you know um, um for me for me whenever i grew up i didn't know what dirt track was i'm young enough i'm 26 i didn't know dirt track i raced motocross and i raced in the woods and uh, what I think's really good about it is 
is that like even though these people don't know when they see it it blows their mind because they don't know they've like what is this I've never seen this before and it's just like when something new pops up like the spinner you know the fidget spinner and shit it's like everybody wants to be a part of it you know what I mean and so what's cool is that you guys are helping us grow that you know consciousness of the sport you know to bring it back in when it's cool for us like I know there's a lot of different opinions out there and I have to think with you hopping on my bike now for the second time that you're pretty open to it but like from my point of view we're racing at the same time with you guys on Saturday and like that's an honor for us for a lot of us you know what I mean like because in a way like we look up to you guys like you guys are like the pinnacle of the sport that we participate in so it's like the fact that we're allowed to go out and basically run the same track on the same night it's it's amazing you yeah. know it's it's showing it's, that you guys are doing enough to, to to let you guys come in and do it you yeah. know what i mean you're the publicity or you know the fans and the different stuff it's just yeah. good and you know we hope you know and i try and i know you know a lot of the guys try but you know, we try to use what little we have to kind of promote what the pros are doing, too. Like, it's, you know, we want you guys recognized, too, because we feel like, one, we don't know how long our stuff's going to last. Like, if you would have asked me three years ago if we would be doing this right now, I'd be like, no way, dude. It'll be gone. Hooligan racing is going to pop up. It'll be here six months or a year, and then it'll be done. And it's still growing, and it's absolutely mind-blowing. Like, you know, we got to race the X Games with you guys different time and we weren't on the espn but just mind-blowing like absolutely insane like the people that were in the stands for our event the response we got from the fans and even the pros like to see you guys come out and watch us on the track was insane like we stuck it and it's a mixed bag i think fan or uh flat track live or fans one of them like they posted a video of us in our first practice and the track was horrible. It was, like, marbly and, like, super inconsistent. <laughs> and we were all, like, tiptoeing around. And we got so many negative comments. And I'm like, oh, I was so bummed. I was, like, out of all the track conditions. But, you know, I think for the 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 heats and the semis and the mains on the next day, like, before you guys ran, like, you guys were able to lay some rubber down. They got some water in the track. And it was a lot better. Um, you know, I still don't feel like it's the show you guys put on, which... You know, maybe it was. We probably had more lead swaps than you guys did. You know, up until the last lap and a half, it was Sammy and you and then Jared were like... Gone. Yeah, I mean, it's so... It was cool and... And I think you kind of said it too. Like I mean, you, gives, you, you gotta, you gotta share. Yeah, you gotta share to build. And a lot yeah. of, and a lot of people aren't willing to share. So you're always yeah. gonna get people like that. You know, you gotta work together. I think it helps everyone. It helps us out. It helps you guys out. Um, so that's definitely cool. I mean, it's cool for us to be able to to help that. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. as little or as much as whatever it is. Like it's so cool. You know, at the end of the day, if we look at it, you know, if we help turn eyes to what you guys are doing, it's cool. Because if someone comes out and they're like, oh, man, that stuff's rad, like, and then they see the pros, how could you not think what you guys are doing is rad? Yeah, for sure. So it's it's definitely cool. Hopefully it's bringing riders to the sport, too, because you'll definitely get some diehard fans with that. But, you know, it's cool. And it was, uh, you know, it's super cool to have you come up and, like, take my bike for a spin. Like, that, to me, just, it helps make it a little bit more legitimate. Um just the whole deal all of it so i appreciate it i don't know how long we've been talking but uh thank you for sure yeah um everyone listening it's just jeffrey carver 23 right yep. the instagram okay so check that out give this guy like 500 more followers tomorrow 
Um, hopefully he'll win his second Twins race this weekend and really be on top of it for a while. Yep, yeah, for sure. Hopefully we can have them guys chasing us. And, uh, yeah, I think it's really cool, you know. Um, I like getting into the social media part of it and growing it and stuff. Uh, the Mama Trudge Show, actually, uh, one of the guys just got a hold of me and invited me to the uh, the motorcycle show to bring one of my bikes there and cool. stuff. So, uh that type of stuff I want to start getting involved in more and more and maybe doing like some hooligan schools and stuff and help people set up their bikes and uh, yeah. do some track days and stuff so uh, maybe sometime this winter we can do something like that we would definitely uh, appreciate that set up something um, you know today days like today are cool I know one of the like local flat track kids knew I was coming out here and he's like man he's like the hooligans get a private track day with Carver and I was like yeah sorry like sorry <laughs> we set this up at X Games, so. Yeah. Um, but it's good. I mean, it was good to help you cover the expense and get a ride the track. You're gonna ride on Friday. This podcast should come out Friday too. Maybe it might come a week from Friday. Uh, Larry will probably try and get it out Friday. So we'll see what all we can jam pack into one episode. But cool. Um, yeah. Thanks for having me on. No problem. And thanks for like being on. I mean, that's. It's so cool. Like I said, like, I, we definitely have a lot of people that listen, but. It's so big right now in like the podcasting world, whatever. Yeah. To talk about flat track. Well, and and, and this is the stuff that I want to like. I'll put my time to. You know, I, instead of calling it up, you know, a yeah. bunch of guys, big money, and trying to ask them for it. I'd like to, you know, promote it and build it through yeah. uh, acknowledgement and uh, knowing actually what flat track's about. Because that's what I'm hearing more and more about. I get talking with people, and they're like, they just want to hear me talk about it because they have no idea. They just, you know what I mean. There's a guy that's a Joe with American Flat Track Clothing Company and we explained to him the XR and the Cowie thing and he was just like his mind was blown he was like he thought we were almost we talked to him the night before Lone Star we were telling him look the track like this is what we think this is why we're doing this and we think we can win and he's like okay okay like you know cool you know you guys got your shit in a row and then he's like tells me man I was like I didn't really know what you guys were talking about and then when he saw it in action the next day he was just you know starstruck about it all and uh that's, I like the acknowledgement and everybody knowing what's what's going on, so that's why I'm a people person as well, because I'll yeah. talk to the people, you know, I want the people to know what's really going on, you know. And I think it's good too, like, people are going to know that you're a normal person, yeah. you know what I mean, like, and I think flat track in general, not too many people are making very much money at it, like, it's definitely a motorcycle racing that you have to be passionate about to yeah. do. Yeah, and a lot of times it's, it's families three, four generations, you yeah. know, they're just keeping the shit rolling just because, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. This should be good. We'll let him edit it down. Ben, want to say anything? Go fast, turn up. Sounds good. 23 to the front, man. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any, uh, do you have a cool story on how you got 23 or? Uh, my, uh, yeah, my, my, my grandpa was number 23, okay. and he got it from Roger DeCoster whenever Roger came over here, or he raced, he raced somewhere different one year whenever he was professional riding for Suzuki, and he was at number 11, he raced 23 at the time, Okay. and that's when my grandpa picked up the number, All right. and then um, my dad had it, and I had it all the way through my amateur... Yeah, that's what everybody thinks. Everybody thinks of Michael Jordan. You so, know. Uh, but it uh, just it just came down through the family. It's always okay. been right there in my heart. And so, I know you know for reasons we all know, if podcasts or if people listening don't, that's fine. I know Sammy went back to a double digit this year, um, and you have to win a championship to earn a single digit, correct? Yeah. So, is that something like? Uh, would you go? Would you keep running twenty three? I don't know. 
good question. Sammy did that for his brother. Man. Exactly. No, no, no. That's no. Sammy that. had good reason. So that's you know, and it's cool. Like I've been running nine since I was a kid. So like I always like running that, and I I don't know why I put a zero in front of it. I guess to make it a double digit, or just because no one does it. Because again, like a lot of people, like you earn a single digit. So it's interesting, like. It's super cool that you have, you know, your yeah, grandpa ran that I wouldn't, and your I wouldn't pick it. another single digit. I'd go back to 23. If I won the championship and lost it the next year, I'd go back to 23. I wouldn't cool. pick a single digit. It'd be red. You know? I'd probably run one, you know, just mm-hmm. because that's the oh, way obviously. it goes. But um, <laughs> at the same time, that's how close 23 is to my heart, you For know? For sure. So... And that's cool, like... We see it all the time on the road, man. He's pointing out oh, dude, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, and like so whenever you're on point or you know whenever the when the cosmic energy is going right you know they talk about the infinite being and stuff they say that you see things that make you feel good and stuff and so I see 23 and you know yesterday I saw 23 after probably six different times throughout the day and um, yeah it's just uh, it's a good way to just you know spread the love really you know that's cool it's good uh, to have something to connect to you know whatever that is for you yeah use it you know and that's cool i mean it's just such it's so cool that it's like it's almost like a lineage number you know what i mean like that that grandpa had it dad had it and now like you have it and you're running at that level like it's so cool to to continue that and to like be able to like honor them at the same time Yep. so it's it's definitely super cool i don't think i have anything else man i i definitely appreciate it both of you guys for hanging out late, for having us out of the track, for, for riding yeah. the bike, helping out. Yeah, thanks for letting me ride your hooligan bike. <laughs> no problem. My ass is, my, my ass cheek muscles super sore from, <laughs> I flick it in there and then the, the things start getting real sideways and the front start to go, so I'd have to kind of hold it up with my foot for a while. Yeah, and it's a heavy one. It's a, I love riding different stuff because we get spoiled, you know? Yeah. These dirt bike kids, you know, riding good stuff all the time, you're like, ah, fix this, fix that, you know? But um, the bike's never going to be 100%, no matter what, no matter what you're on. Maybe it's my opinion, but I always grew up, like, if you can ride something that's not great, you can ride anything. Mm -hmm. And so so many kids, they grow up with so much money, they always have fancy stuff. And if they get on something that's subpar, they don't know what to do. Yep. And it's like, if you're a racer... And I grew up riding all kinds of shit, you know, at all the nationals in 2014, I had to ride different stuff. And if if you roll out to a main event and your bike's not doing what you want it to do... It's too bad. You got to ride it, yeah. and you got to ride it how it's riding and how it's running. At that and, time, right yeah. then and there. So you got to make it work as a rider, and you got to adapt. So yep. it's it's it, super cool uh, to hop on that and do those things. I, I think what's uh, what also was intriguing to me about the hooligan stuff is I um, so I had heard from one of my first tuners, Eddie Atkins, that Scotty Parker and Springsteen, them guys, would ride their Harleys or 883s. Or 650 Yamaha, mm-hmm. or excess 650 Yamahas on the ice and on the dirt and stuff. And so I have one at home. Nice. And I've been riding one lately and stuff. Not not this year, but in a couple years ago, whenever we had some time at home and stuff. And so that also was pretty cool when I saw everybody doing it because yeah. that's what I was doing to train. And that's what I'm doing now. Like, I'm going to ride the thing more this winter and stuff. And the, the hooligan bike will physically make you strong for sure. Mm-hmm. You might lose that other nickname, Bones, but... <laughs> yeah, man, a, I'm, you know. It's a beast to muscle around, but it's kind of what makes it fun. Yep. Um, and always remember, you know, Atherton, Kevin Atherton told me this. It's uh, 85% mm-hmm. mental and 15% physical. 
I weigh 130 pounds. Yeah. I just won a national on an XR 25 laps against a guy that, you know, has got the best trainers and stuff mm-hmm. and works with all these people. So um, anybody out there that's scared or not sure with if they can handle it, you know, it's all mental and it's all about knowing with uh, body language and stuff like that. And you can ride anything. You don't really have to be that strong. You just got to know how to let the whatever you're working with do its thing it's like a horse you can't tell a horse what to do you know i've I've never ridden a horse but that's what i've heard you know you can't make it do it you just got to learn how to work with it you know and so you know if you're scared or you're just not sure about it you know just remember and everything in life is 85 percent mental you know 15 percent physical good well definitely good luck uh probably tomorrow by the time this podcast comes out um yeah man thanks it's cool i mean it's super rad we just we're gonna have an interview with carver that's kind of cool <laughs> hell yeah hell yeah that's cool listen up jeffrey carver good luck good luck tomorrow at the aft finals hopefully you get on that podium one more time baby uh and hey it was great that was such a great interview uh talking about the number 23 um, I'm so glad he didn't say he got it from watching that Jim Carrey movie. But, you know, the number 23, that's kind of weird. I I used to see that number a lot when I was, uh, like, in my 20s, about 87 years ago. Uh, kind of a weird number. And uh, I always thought something crazy would happen to me when I was 23. And it did. I, uh, I turned 24. At any rate... Uh, Jeffrey Carver, good luck. Uh, we hope you, again, once again, get out from under the van and get on top of that podium. And uh, anytime you want to come back on the show, we'd be grateful to have you. I know Chris and I really, I, I was stoked because you were the first guy ever to be caught on film bunny hopping an XR at the X Games. And uh, I know Chris and I uh, talk about you quite a bit, even if it doesn't always make the show. Um, and I did like there, <laughs> I liked how Chris was like, all right, let's wrap it up. And then 15 minutes later, they're still talking. That's what Chris and I do all the time. Uh, I spend many hours here in the editing bay, cutting three hours of conversation down to about an hour and, uh, yeah, tedious. So yeah. By the way, Chris and I were talking a little bit, and it seems like nobody knows what a podcast is. And, you know, you heard Jeffrey Carver talking about it there uh, a little bit, like, you know, promoting stuff, uh, getting people's ears and eyes on on the uh, the flat trackers and the privateers in a new way and just talking motorcycles. Hey, if there's like an old geezer or somebody uh, young that doesn't listen to podcasts and you think they should, and you say, hey, there's a po- motorcycle podcast you might want to hear, um, I'll give you a list of good ones. And then you can say, and then there's creative writing podcast. So yeah, turn a friend onto a podcast today. Tell them it's just like radio, only you can listen whenever you want and you can start Stop and rewind and re-listen if it was really good. Show your friends. Tell them how great you are. And then be on one yourself and be like, hey, I'm famous now. So, yes. Uh, Introduce people to podcasts if you can. And, uh, Chris, good luck as well. I know you're going to be out there giving it your all tomorrow. And I'm going to be out there with that big number one. I'll I'll wear like a cheese head hat or something. I'll do something to make myself stick out so you can see me uh, as you're going around the corners. I'll be trying to wave to you. And, um, yeah, if you're out there at Paris, uh, I'd love to bump into you and yap and take a picture and talk motorcycles with you and uh, all that great stuff. So um, I'm going to be out there 
uh, watching the racing in the afternoon. And if you're there and I'm there, hey, let's uh, let's make it happen. Uh, I'll buy you a beer and then I'll pour it on your head. All right. Man, I wonder why I don't have any friends. Uh, I say stuff like that, and then I do stuff like that. Um, hey, a couple things that we really aren't repping, but I do want to put out there is uh, Riders on the Norm. They've been pumping their mini bike race. Uh, you should listen to them today as well. They come out uh, on Fridays also, and they're going to be having a race sometime in October. They never got the info to me, but I think it's the 14th, and it uh, coincides with the war run. So if you want to go race mini bikes, get your ass down to uh, Jacksonville, Ohio, which is right there on the border of uh, Tennessee and Florida, and uh, do yourself a mini bike, a little mini bike championship down there with the Riders of the Norm guys. Also, in California, the Kernville Campout is going to be happening. The only reason I know that is because Rusty Butcher, who already has their little little devil hot dog truck up and running and selling illegally colored hot dogs is going to be there selling them at the Kernville Campout. And I think, ooh, don't quote me on this, but I think the Lucky Wheels White Lightning Campout is going to be happening and Babes Ride Out 97, uh, or maybe five, I don't know, one of those numbers, 97 or five. And so all that great stuff is coming up. I didn't want to really brag because it's like mostly California stuff, but you know, if you're out here in the area and you'd like to do one of those things, uh, check it out. Also, check out uh, really, really cool AIM uh, Expo coverage from the Throttled Podcast. Um, also, the Motorcycle Man. They've been ripping left and right some really cool podcasts. The Motorcycles and Misfits podcast we always talk about. Uh, they've been having some really classy uh, episodes since Liza's, uh, you know, she was in Pakistan. She's back now. So she's in Pakistan. <laughs> um, and what else? Uh, the Wingman's Garage. I uh, always got to check those guys out. Let's, con- let's, as a group, as a whole, convince those guys to sit around a microphone like that 70s show i told him to do that i said you guys are so scared to sit next to each other or you only have a card table and your knees knocked together underneath but just sit around it man do like that 70s show where you're all facing each other and the microphone's there in the middle that uh, will solve all your problems um and another great podcast the cafe racer podcast also uh having gone to aim and went to the uh while i was busy trying to find uh, a group of, of motorcyclists looking for food. They were down at the uh, California Moto Market, so they uh, uh, had a few things to say about that. I just spent uh, the episode before last, no, I guess it was maybe last episode, to a little bit talking about uh, bikes and the floods and the hurricanes and everything that's been happening and smashing into the Americas. And Cleveland Moto goes and does a whole podcast. One of their buddies had a boat down when Irma hit. Um, and basically, or, uh, whoa, shoot, I forget which one. It was the one that hit Florida real bad, tore up his boat and, uh, maybe some of his motorcycles and stuff like that. And they were actually talking about ways to revive, uh, floody motorcycles. I had just listened to a car stuff talking about, you know, in 2005, the whole rash of Katrina cars that started popping up and how people do shysty things. And then I read Cleveland Moto and they made it, you know, sound not so bad. So, uh, well, depending on if it's salt water or fresh water that your bike or your car gets uh, submerged in. So go check that out. And the Wheel Nerds. Oh, I would listen to the next episode of the Wheel Nerds if I was you. That's all I'm going to say about that. 
All right, let's do some Instagram shout-outs before we wrap up this week's show. All right, I have spun the Wheel of Death in Instagram and come across Triumph San Diego. Uh, Triumph San Diego is San Diego's Triumph Zero and Royal Enfield dealer. They're located at... Uh, 5171 Marina Place in San Diego. And uh, they do also vintage services and parts. And they used to be Trophy. Uh, I've been friends with Tim down there for a long, long time. Um, Back when I used to live in San Diego. And he owned Trophy. And uh, even before he owned Trophy. I I forget what he... He had a little shop, I think, before Trophy. And then Trophy came around. And they were like the go-to place for, you know, fixing triumphs and uh, old vintage. If you had a cafe racer or an old vintage bike, where do you go? You know, you can't, most new shops would turn you away. So Trophy uh, started repairing and selling old bikes and uh, specifically triumphs a lot. They were approached and uh, kind of swallowed up by actual triumph and uh, turned into a triumph dealer so that's how they became triumph san diego and uh i'm looking at their instagram page they have a shop ride coming up october 15th so if you are in san diego 8 30 a.m uh kickstands up at 9 30 and they're going to go for a five hour mountain ride the route to, to to be determined i'm guessing maybe either a palomar or out in the uh, east county there so uh chris uh let's hear your instagram pick my my friend all right i wanted to send in my instagram pick of the week uh i'm gonna make this one either obvious or easy however you want to look at it but i'm thinking my instagram pick of the week just gonna have to go with Jeffrey Carver because him being on the show this week, which is epic. Thanks again, Jeffrey, for sitting down with us and um, you know just just helping creative writing along. Like that's that's so huge to have a, a pro athlete, um, you know, in your situation to sit down with a little podcast like us. So we really appreciate it, both of us. Um, thanks for the track day too. Just hanging out, riding, cutting some laps. It's always a good time, but. To the fans, definitely check out Jeffrey Carver. Uh, his Instagram is Jeffrey Carver 23 and um, Facebook, I think it's Jeffrey Carver Racing or Jeffrey Carver 23 Racing. Um, you can look that up and find it. So, you know, give that guy a follow. If you're into flat track at all, if you're into underdogs at all, if you're into the, the privateers going out, being passionate, racing, doing it uh, on their own for the most part, um, then he's definitely a, a guy to watch for and a guy that you should follow and give some attention to because he's not going to stay a total privateer for long. Uh, you know, I know from talking to him, he definitely wants to be in charge of his own program, and I think his season this year is testament of why he and Ben should be in charge of that program. But uh, he's definitely not a guy that's going to go totally sponsorless much longer or just small sponsors. You know, I personally anyway i see someone big coming in and really helping the guy out because why would you not but you know as fans get behind him give him a shout out give him a like give him a follow check out what he's doing if you're a flat track fan how can you not be a fan of jeffrey carver um just a a nice guy a guy that loves to ride motorcycles and he's also very talented and i'm pretty well on top of the game right now definitely on top of his game definitely um excited to see what the future holds 
for for him and flat track in general but um give him a follow that's going to be my instagram pick of the week hopefully you guys check it out um also i don't know if larry said this or was going to say it but give us some response how do you guys like this segment are we showing you cool stuff <laughs> um again this week hopefully mine's not anything new but uh is it any you know is this something you guys like hearing from like who do we find like who do we like who are we checking out so and if you have some suggestions send us some suggestions so we can check some stuff out um even if it's you maybe you're doing something cool maybe we'll give you an instagram shout out of the week you might gain like three followers from us it's definitely worth it so uh no i'm just playing but uh do send us that that'd be super cool so that is my pick of the week thanks everyone All right, man. We are heading into the final stretch. I want to say uh, thank you to Paul, a.k.a. Bri Viffer. Thank you to Jeffrey Carver for being on the show. Thanks, Chris, for doing such a great job. Chris did get a couple of interviews, like I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, from the streets again. And we will hear those on the next episode. He interviewed uh, a new track day writer and uh, got some really good before and after uh, impressions of writing. So we'll do that. We'll cover our crazy motors and maybe crazy bikes episode. And then I think if you guys, if you guys would do me a huge favor, um, let us know what you think is like the winner. Cause I think here's how I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to do one. It's like a call and response. And then I'm going to let Chris do one. And I'll let you guys decide. Then maybe the next show I'll do one. Chris will do one. And then we'll let you guys decide. We'll do it like a little hand of like uh, Mexican poker or Mexican stud, whatever they call that. And then we'll see who uh, basically who wins at the end of like a three or a five rounder. Um, and then also please leave us a review in iTunes. It really helps the show get noticed. I did notice I've, I've upgraded to the new iTunes. You used to type in motor Motorcycle and all the motorcycle podcasts would pop up. Right now, maybe it's just my phone. I have no idea, uh, but only about five pop up. And I know most people don't go searching for stuff on their uh, computer anymore. So it's mostly we're a phone based world now, my friend. And uh, remember that big rant I did a couple weeks ago? Well, about a couple months ago now on internet neutrality and all that stuff. And like, give, given the assing the little guy out basically and giving the the big guy a, a, a handout basically to, to keep them on top well it's kind of happening uh whenever i look in itunes now i really don't see i only see like the major players and like the sponsored shows and people that are part of networks i, I haven't seen the independents so uh, similar to Jeffrey Carver doing it in our van, that's how we're doing this podcast, baby. We're not part of a major network, and uh, we're definitely not going to pay iTunes to uh, stick us up there in the top. And so we we need people like you to give us reviews um, and leave us. Uh, actually, it'll help us get some feedback to see which direction you think the show should go or what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong. Um, uh, based on the latest one uh, that I got, I, I've kind of like hidden i haven't deleted but i hid some of the first few tracks because they were really hard to get through and uh there's more than one person that said that and i don't want somebody to come to the show and uh hear it and and not tune into these later ones because something we did when we were first trying to get on the on the road uh two years ago so please leave a review in itunes stitcher soundcloud google play store pocket cast downcast um dog catcher pod bean pod cruncher 
Uh, I, I, I can't think of all the places that we are, but anyway, anywhere that uh, hosts fine quality podcasts should have us in it. Uh, leave us a scary story for spooky spokes and uh, submit all those to creative writing podcast at gmail.com. And finally, to end the show, uh, I didn't want to do it at the beginning and have the whole show be a bummer, but I do want to say our hearts go out to everybody in Las Vegas, a terrible, terrible tragedy that happened there at the beginning of the week. And I know it's been a week now and we've all processed it and and, uh, there's still like a lot of unanswered questions and a lot of families that uh, are incomplete now because of what happened. And I just want to say thankfully that uh, our the Moto family and friends that we have here at the show that live in Las Vegas um, we've accounted for everyone for everyone and um, I hope that if you have any family or friends there that uh, they're safe and uh, if not our hearts go out to you um, and our condolences and uh, we're sorry and uh, I also reported a friend uh, with the family member in Puerto Rico and I wanted to do a follow-up on that. They, I've never heard of, well, I've heard of WhatsApp, but I didn't really know what it was. And through that app, they got uh, their mom out of Puerto Rico uh, via a flight that somebody had. They just like sold it to them and they, they were able to change it from a flight out of Puerto Rico to New York to get them here to L.A. And uh, everything's working out. They got her off the island where security was getting kind of sketchy. They're still, uh, I mean, I know the president made a trip there this week, but there still isn't uh, uh, power across most of the uh, most of the island. And uh, from what I heard, most of Florida right now, like it's still Florida's pretty wiped out as well. And um, so I was surprised that they were able to get out uh, in the airport because the airport is uh, sketchy too and a little bit spotty as well so uh good stories good good um happy endings this week i hope you have a really good weekend uh good luck chris and jeff out at the uh the races and whatever you guys do let us know and uh have fun rip it we'll just have uh, larry edit this up real quick So, I feel so weird like interviewing people. It's weird, isn't it? It is. When I've done announcing out here, I have people come up there and I interview them. So, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> I don't know. How you been? I know. Uh, it's like Jeffrey Carver coming off of a win and uh, <laughs> Lone Star Texas Half Mile AFT National. He's always got down. I always ask him, what should I say to this person? Fastest bike on the track. That might be just a good way to introduce you, yeah. Ah, yeah. What good episode, Get out of here. It'll pick up. It picks up crazy noises. 
we'll pick up shuffling. Could probably. Yeah, probably pick up the squeaking up. of the bikes in the background over there. Yeah, that's not too bad because it's off. Like that. But yeah. So yeah, it's weird. Like I, I get, I don't know how to interview people yet. I'm getting. I like, I even do well. Like I write notes and shit. I know that's what. And then of course. I started here and I never finished. I know, right? Well, let me go get another beer. Yeah, sounds good. You want one? No. Um, it's probably better when you ain't got 20 people standing there looking at you. I know, everyone's you, huh? watching. Yeah. Like, no pressure, guys. No <laughs> pressure. People you know. Right? All right, so it's actually already recording, though. So, all kinds of horrible stuff. <laughs> right? It gets everything. All right.